Hi, uh, I'm Ipsi, uh, and thanks to uh, Prof. Michiel for for his contribution just now. It was a very interesting talk, and his course specifically is where we go to head on to a lot of the talent that we're looking for, specifically in the consulting industry, doing things around advanced analytics, big data, those kinds of things. Now, I'm happy to see that we have more people. At one point, Michiel and I thought we were going to have to do our presentations to one another. So it's nice that you have all of you made the time to come. <laughs> um, yeah, so in terms of why I'm here today, it also has to do with the actual committee that uh, Michiel and I are part of. We're trying to get people to um, see the value in advanced analytics, a bit of the stranger kind of models that we're doing, to try and get us into some of the newer things. So we don't just do straightforward reserving for life so, so that we can get into the new stuff. And um, particularly why I got into analytics specifically is I had a couple of a consulting engagements, um, started off in the peer kind of actuarial sphere uh, in pensions, and then moved out into, into these kinds of things. And um, as I picked up uh, the cooler stuff that we can do, um, I saw how where it worked and where it didn't work. So part of what I'm trying to do today is to spark something in you guys so that you can start pursuing this as well. Now, uh, I've got three beliefs here that I'd like to get you guys to believe as well. The first is advanced analytics in any organization that employs actuaries or data scientists will add value and you will be able to demonstrate that value. The second thing I'd like to do or that's a belief of mine, is that actuaries are ideally placed to play in this field due to our statistical and business backgrounds. And the third thing that I'd like to say is that um, the first steps that you can follow, so I'm going to do a little quick getting started guide, um, will add value, and it's not as difficult as people initially anticipate. Sorry, I think I'm a little bit away from this. I'm losing my voice half the time. So... Um, what I'd like to talk about is the first thing is I'm going to go through what my definition is of advanced analytics. Um, you know, there's, there's bits of machine learning, there's bits of predictive modeling, and um, because it's not really an overly regulated field, you'll, you'll struggle to find an exact definition. Um, and then I'm going to go through a couple of places where there's been demonstrable value from advanced analytics and some of the techniques that we're going to talk about. And then I'm going to give, take you through my getting started guide. Now, a lot of you will have some experience in the advanced analytics space. Um, so take away from this what you can, but mostly it's aimed at trying to get a little bit of corporate backing for doing that advanced analytics, showing the value that you're adding to the organization. All right, so this is, uh, at, at first I tried to get a, a Google answer for what advanced analytics is and um, <laughs> It doesn't exist like the majority of the analytical field. Um, and then I had tried to have a look at, okay, what do different people define it as to see if I can draw elements of that together. And to be honest, mostly it seemed to center around what they were trying to sell you, the software solution, that software solution. So I've come up with my own little definition, um, and that's just what I'm going to use for the talk today. So it's just to group together everything that I'm going to talk about. The first thing is it's a set of analytical techniques which require both a statistical and a business background, which is applied to data sets to drive insights, which you can't get through just aggregation and disaggregation of data sets. Now, this bit's important to me and it's close to my heart. Anything that you can do in Tableau, ClickVote, View, MicroStrategy, any of those things, they're awesome tools, but that's not advanced analytics and that's not what I'm talking about today. And the last thing, and this is why it really resonates within the actuarial field, is because it's very predictive in its nature. 
Okay, so now I'd like to talk about the value that you can see has been added at different companies. So my first example is Amazon. So Amazon that we know of today is um, it's this massive, massive retail giant and so on. But back in the day, it used to be just uh, they used to just sell your books basically. And their big differentiator in the market was that they were accurately able to predict what your next book was that you were going to buy. So they are currently a $175 billion company. And I mean, that, that gives us a good starting point in terms of value, right? Okay, next one is Google. Um, who knows what the most respected job title at Google is? <laughs> it's the head of search. And essentially that is an advanced analytical technique where they try and predict what the page is that you most likely want to do. So Google's net worth at the moment is $370 billion, which is about $20 billion than the South African GDP. The next one is Apple. Now, <laughs> every, everybody has their, uh, their little Google versus Apple thing, and I'll, I'll leave my um, preconceived ideas at home. But Apple is also a company that employs it. Apple is currently worth more than double what Google's worth. And um, their thing that they're doing, and I think that's what we're going to look at, what they're going to do next, is the kind of thing that Siri's doing, or Microsoft's Cortana, or OK Google, where they're using predictive analytics based on voice uh, hidden, Markov, uh, hidden, uh, hidden Markov models to predict what it is that you're going to try and look for, right? So we're really going into the ne next sphere of things. And now I'm going to be a bit cheesy, and I'm going to put the actuarial society next to it. <laughs> so uh, the reason I'm putting this here is because if you think about my previous slide, everything that I've said so far appeals to what we've done as actuaries to date. And uh, I, I really do believe that we'd be remiss if we didn't take advantage of what we're doing to actually get in here and show that we are the experts. If we want to do that, we're going to have to be innovative, and we're going to have to adapt. And um, my little call to action today would be please to contact me after this presentation if you are interested in this and then we can make you part of the Google, our Google groups that we're using to share everything that we're doing. All right, so just a quick thing on the obstacles that people generally face. Um, the first is time. Um, so I'm trying to show you that it's not as difficult to get into that advanced analytics sphere for your organization. The first thing is time. And this is something I can't do anything about. What I can do is I want to give you in my getting started guide is a couple of ways to give you quick answers for some of the things. So hopefully that'll reduce the amount of time that it's going to take. The next is money. Um, we all know what the software licenses for these kinds of applications are. And um, I'm going to give you a couple of examples of open source software, which I actually prefer over and above the, the paid for versions. For various reasons, it's mostly because of my consulting background and it's easier to share and disseminate the information. Um, and also the learnings can be free. Um, and the third one is about the perceived difficulty of the stuff that we're doing. And it looks hard at the start, but there are so many guides and so many support groups that actually help you through the process that uh, that is definitely something that you can overcome. So my getting started guide, and bearing in mind this is originally aimed at people who have not gotten into any advanced analytics and they're just starting to dip their toes into the water. But hopefully for the, the guys that are currently into it, it'll give you an idea of where you can get more information. So my first step that I'd say that you need to do when you get started with this, that's this stuff is to define what your business problem is that you're trying to solve. 
Now, it's our nature to be stay with the analytical stuff, but if you really want to get momentum behind what you're doing, you're going to have to sell it to the business and the organization. So start with your business challenge. Then I'm going to go into what data you can potentially get from internal to your organization, different sources, how to get it, how to combine it, and all that kind of fun stuff. Then I'm going to go into which tools, both from a software and a capability side, you can use. I'm going to have a very, very, very brief overview, um, just basically telling you where to go to, to have a look at comparisons of the different models. And then I'm going to tell you how to tell the story. So the first thing is about how to set up your, your business. So what I'd suggest is have a sit down with somebody and chat with about what, what are the things that are plaguing your, plaguing your organization. And think big. Try and solve the world's problems at first. So a couple of examples that you could do is you could start with customer experience. So what are the things that our customers are complaining about and how can we use advanced techniques to make sure that we improve their customer experience? On the acquisition side, we can see we can try and see, okay, why is somebody purchasing a specific product and not another product? Why are they coming to us? Why are they not coming to us? In terms of cross-sell or upsell, you can do the same kind of analysis. And then on retention, you can see what of our current reten retention strategies can be applied to different people to keep our customers. Okay. So then what you'll notice is that you're probably boiling the ocean. You're trying to solve the world's problems and you're trying to throw everything at it. So once you've got your complete list of ideas that you'd really like to achieve, start getting a bit more specific and take into account a couple of constraints. The first is time, and here I mean the time that you actually have available to do this exercise. So if you think you've got two hours a week, bite, bite off something that you can handle in two hours a week. In terms of the data, uh, I'll get into that in a little bit, but your data will sometimes constrain what you're able to do, so just bear that in mind. Also the difficulty, which you might not know initially, but try and stick to things that you're familiar with. And then one of the important things is your audience that you're going to be telling the story to. Like I said, you're going to have to define your business problem in, and business value. So in this case, you need to determine who your audience is. So if it's going to be a customer experience audience, tailor your business question towards them. And then the last one is define it. Now, it doesn't have to be a rigid definition, but just put something down on paper that says, this is how we'd like to go. So the first is, what's the story you'd like to tell? So we would like to say, for instance, um, we investigated our customer experience and we realized that people started complaining about misrepresentation, then they claimed, and, 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 and this is the chain, and this is how we can potentially break the chain, which will result in X business value if we do something. Right. So always put the value in there. And then also when you define your project, just put a time limit on it for yourself. It'll just help you make sure that you get something done by a specific time. Organize a presentation or a meeting or whatever to present it. Okay. Now that you've sort of defined what you're going to be looking at, I'd suggest you start looking at your data. So what can you get? So the first thing is your internal data. So the things that I've found work particularly well is NPS, Net Promoter Score. Is everybody familiar with Net Promoter Scores? All right, well, I'm getting nods. Cool. <laughs> I, I know we're not a vocal bunch, so I'll, I'll take that as an overwhelming yes. Um, then from a demographics point of view, I mean, from the actual studies, I don't think I need to go into any more of that. Um, then you go into your kind of customer stuff. So your lapses, your cross-sell, your retention, um, specific campaigns, if you've got campaign data, that can also be very powerful. 
people's activity. If your organization has done a segmentation, always worth it to lay, overlay it and to see if you can speak people's language. Because remember your call center and stuff will be trained on that stuff. So try and talk their language. And then also things like behavior. So do they call your call center on, you know, Tuesday mornings at 10? Or do they lapse on Fridays or at the end of the month? All right. Now, so that was your internal data, which you have inside your organization. What you can do to get external data, and I've just picked three social media ones because these are the three literally easiest ones in the world to get. Your first one's Hello Peter, which you can just get the information with a scraper and you can do some really cool unstructured text mining from there. And the nice thing is, is because it's specific to a company and you can compare different companies and so on, you can get quite a lot of value on there in terms of how well your customers' experience programs are working. Um, Facebook and Twitter I've listed and they have different emphasis um, it, and it can be difficult to isolate certain things. For instance, if you look at Twitty, Twitter, uh, a lot of the companies have the names which are also English words and then if that hashtag doesn't really translate very well, but you can still get quite a lot of value from them. Um, and they tie in directly into R with an API, so you just tell R get me all the Twitter stuff or get me all the Facebook stuff and it literally just pulls that out for you. Um, so those are potential sources. You can do other, co other sources as well. Um, the tools to get to the external data is a scraper. So basically it's something that trawls the web but then picks things up and puts it into your database. The next one is APIs. So that's just something that helps tie into, it's a specific function that's written so that one software package can speak to another one. Um, and then a partner. So say you have two organizations within the same group, happens a lot with banks and insurance companies, for instance. There's an easy way to share the data without going over the, the stuff that Poppy's trying to do, um, just by anonymizing data, and I'll get to that in a second. And then there's really easy web stuff that does all the work for you. So uh, something specific, Neoformix has a very cool website that does very nice Twitter mining for you. All right, then we can, now how do you sort of connect them if you can? So, so the ideal would be to use both internal and external data and connect them up, but it can get hard. I mean, connecting somebody's Facebook profile just based on a name doesn't, doesn't really work. Um, what you can do, uh, you can aggregate it into groups, so say it's people aged 20 who are male and, and, and. Uh, that works particularly well if you've got something like AMPS or 80-20 data that you're trying to use. Anonymization is, for instance, if you've got two companies, what you do is that you get an external party or you apply some kind of scrambling algorithm to connect the people up and then you take all of their personal information out of there. And you can still do the analysis while keeping their anonymity, that's my word that I can't do. <laughs> or, or you could do some weird kind of fuzzy matching. Results may vary on that. All right, tools. So the first one is software, and I've picked two specifically because these are the two I like using. It's not a complete list. I'm sure people have op uh, opinions about different things. Um, the paid-for tools like SAS and SPSS and everything are great, but the whole point of today's talk is about how can you do it basically for free. These two specifically are free, and um, they have great community supporting them. You can actually just ask, ask a question on the web and people will give you the answers. Um, R1, the R methods are actually um, audited by other professionals. Uh, the package libraries are insane, I think. 
R has thousands and thousands and thousands of packages that you can go for. So I really like these two. So when you do decide to go for this and you want to decide between R and Python, I've given you a couple of quick tips about how to decide which one to go for. First one's familiarity. What I mean by that is what are you used to coding in? Um, so if you're used to SAS, uh, Stata, MATLAB, those kinds of things, go with R, it's going to be a lot more similar to what you know. Uh, if you're a little bit used, more used to the object-oriented programming languages like Java, C, and those kinds of things, then go for Python. The next thing is about package libraries. Both of them have great package libraries. R just has quite a lot more packages and they're a little bit more sort of vetted by the community. In terms of integration, they both do well in integrating into other software packages. For instance, R you can run in the background of Excel. Um, Python I've used in terms of the Google App Engine to throw up web pages and that kind of thing. Um, in terms of support, what was I trying to say? Support. Oh, support. That would be the communities. Um, so they both of them have great communities, very active participants. If you ask a question, they'll answer. Um, and then also the purpose that you're trying to put this to. So R is very good if you're doing exploratory analysis, if you just want to quickly see where's the relationship, where's the value or whatever. Um, and it's a little bit more strategic in nature, or at least that's how I found it. Whereas Python is a bit more about trying to get through big data sets. It's about getting into production systems if you want to actually operationalize stuff. Cool. And then, so the first one is about the software tools and the other one is now about just tutorials and stuff. So the best one by far that I tell everybody to go for is on the Kaggle platform, they have a Titanic example. Amazing piece, run both in R and in Python, works incredibly well, um, gives you a really good taste for what the differences are and gives you some cool insights. And that's, it's a practical example, you don't even have to install stuff, you just do it online. Um, Leader is almost that example on steroids, it gives a bunch of them, there's a free version where you have to figure everything out yourself, if you pay it, then you can get somebody to help you with it. Um, I've put Coursera up there, but that's more of a longer term goal if you want to use that way. Awesome thing, free, big community, you're doing a course with a bunch of people. Um, and they've actually got the equivalent of their equivalent of a degree in which you can do all the data science stuff. It's very cool content, supported by the John Hopkins University, very good stuff. And then uh, one isolated website that I found that's amazing at getting this stuff together, it's Machine Learning Mastery. And this guy's got a great overview of how everything works, a very easy to understand kind of um, introduction to each of the sections. Um, yeah, so within those you'll get the software tools and between and in that you'll definitely have stuff that can make, take the difficulty away. So this is not a complete list and it focuses a little bit more on the machine learning side but just gives you an idea of the breadth of the stuff that's there. So regression we all know, uh, hopefully we all know if we listened in class. And then um, artificial neural networks would be something like self-organizing map systems, Dimensionality reduction would be something like um, principal component analysis where you've got a bunch of different columns and you're deciding which ones are important so it takes them away for you. A lot of this stuff is a lot, it's there to make your life a lot easier. But going into the actual depth here, I don't think we have enough time. Um, having said that, that machine learning mastery guy I was talking about, this is the place to go to see an overview of everything. Yeah. So the, the last bit is, what's the story that you have to tell? 
So the first thing I'd like to do is to say that any story, you have to use pictures. Um, people don't associate very well with just telling them a different story or, or and that kind of thing. So the software packages that I really like using to tell a story, that are not all free, I'll put that as a caveat, um, but these are the ones I like using. It's not comprehensive, it's not based on something scientific, this is just based on my experience. So the first thing is called Giphy, and this is if you have nodes and relationships between nodes, and it does very cool animations about how it uses force direction to separate them out. Um, it does it in three dimensions, it's awesome. Um, <laughs> Yes, I'm nerding it up here. Um, then what I like using is R Shiny. So what you've got is R is kind of the, uh, the computation engine, like you've got base SAS at the bottom. And then you've got R Shiny at the top, which is a web interface, so you can do it from your iPad and stuff. And it allows you to dynamically filter, it gives you the graph, it updates, it's, it's, it's quite cool. But bits of it are free, bits of it are not. Um, if you really like getting into the kind of coding sphere, if you want to do, get the best visualizations, in my opinion, they're in D3. It's interactive, it's also a web-based platform. I use this in a lot of my client implementations. I love that stuff. And uh, I've got Excel over there, uh, which I suppose is not very innovative in this case. But Excel 2016 does come with a lot of extra cool stuff that the previous ones didn't. Its graphing libraries are much better, it's got tree maps, sunbursts, a lot of stuff that you can actually use to get your missions to graphs very well. Alright, and then how do you actually tell your story? So you've done all your analysis, you've done your visualization, now it's about tying your story together. So how I like to structure it is, this is what we try to achieve, this is what we did, but that didn't work, so we tried this. This, that gave us this cool insight, and then we show, the, we show the money, because remember we're trying to get momentum for the stuff that you've that you're doing. Once you've gone through all this effort, you want you want to get some momentum, some support in the organization. So always show the money. And the next thing is about what now? What are your next steps? What's going to make the organization, what's going to make this thing a lot cooler? Or what's the actual practical implication of this? What do we need to do? How do we improve our customer service? Yeah. So that's basically me. First, I told you what advanced analytics means to me. Not a scientific definition, but it's more about what I associate with it. I've taken you through a couple of cool examples of companies that have demonstrated real value using these kinds of techniques. And I've taken you through how to get started with your first project, so setting your goals, getting the data, the tools that you can use, different analytical techniques, and then how to tell your story. Yeah, that's me. Questions? No? Okay. <laughs> Let's go have a beer. <laughs>